Today I want to tackle a fruit of the Spirit that I'm going to call the fruit with no name. The fruit with no name. God's Spirit adds something to your life and it's, it's called preutes. Preutes. And all attempts to translate this word preutes into the English language uh, have proven to be a real challenge. A real challenge. There just is no good word in our language to convey the meaning of preutes. Um, if you're curious, that's P-R-A-U-T-E-S. That's a, you know, one of those anglified ways of rendering the Greek word. Vine's Expository Dictionary. It's one of those reference books that uh, people like me keep on their shelf and go to to you know, hone in on the definition of some of these words. This book, Vine's Expository Dictionary, defines preutes as an attitude towards God, so it's a state of mind, uh, submitting oneself to God, not, not resisting God, confident in God's presence, his authority, and his power. Preutes gives a calmness of spirit from the mental focus, which is not on yourself or prioritizing your own personal desires. Preutes seeks and wants what the creator of life wants, what your creator wants, and what he wants for you. Preutes is confidence that God is in charge and acceptance that God is in charge. They're not necessarily the same thing. A Greek writer, because sometimes you want to see, well, how is this used in you know, the language of the day? A Greek writer, such as Aristotle, might use this word, preutes, to describe a person who would only express anger or frustration or other negative emotions when transcendent moral principles, when bigger issues were at stake, rather than because of the petty annoyances of life. Now, the more I looked into preutes, and I, I studied it and I looked into the word, the more I looked into it, the more I said, I want that. I want that. I want to be like that. I want to feel like that. I want to have that in me. I want that. And I hope that you do too. Let's talk about the English words, okay? Because we're working off this list from Genesis 5.22. We're going through the fruits of the Spirit. And at some point, these words have to be translated into English, of course. Now, the English words that you could use to try and convey the meaning of preotes might include, and, 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 and picture a Venn diagram. You know, one of those things where you've got circles that overlap each other, and so they all bring something to it, and then in the middle is preotes. So you might have gentleness, acceptance, submission, humility, calm. So you've got this big Venn diagram, and then in the middle is this preotes. None of these words fully convey the full sense of, of the word. And that is why I've called it the fruit with no name. In Galatians 5 verse 22, you will probably see this translated as gentleness. Gentleness. 
If you're working with the New King James, the ESV, or the NIV, that's probably what you will see. If you're working with the Old King James, then you'll probably see a different word there. Okay? You might see it translated as meekness. Meekness. Okay? So depending on the, and, and depending on the context, I mean, this word is used other places in Scripture, you'll see it rendered as gentleness. Sometimes you'll see it translated as meekness. Now, in modern English, the way we use words, meekness is unfortunately, it's come to take on a sense of weakness. You know, when, when you ask a person, you know, what, what superpower would you like to have? They're not going to say meekness. Because there's a general sense that meekness is weakness. That it's, it's a person who does not react or who doesn't respond to insult or injury or unfairness. And the reason they don't respond is because they're, they don't have the strength of character or perhaps they're simply powerless to do anything about it. They might be considered weak-willed, physically weak, socially weak, they don't have a lot of connections. So the English word meek or meekness is not always, uh, is not always helpful when discussing this concept of preutes, the fruit with no name. <laughs> All right? So what I wanted to do, of course, is show you or explain what, what, what it means and then say, I want this. I hope you want this. And I don't know if I was convincing or not. And then I wanted to tell you, okay, this is meekness. This is the reality of meekness, not the perception of meekness. So that word meekness isn't always the most helpful when translating this fruit of the Spirit, preutes, but as you're going to see when we look at some of the relevant scriptures, we're kind of stuck with that word. We have, to, we have to kind of work with it because that's what's in your Bible. That's what you're going to see there, meekness. Sometimes gentleness, sometimes meekness. Meekness is generally used to um, talk about the attitude of mind and gentleness, the um, ensuing action that that brings about. With all the spirits, we've, we've got a basic concept, which is putting attitudes into action. And we've looked at that with joy, we've looked at that with goodness, we've looked at that with kindness, and with this fruit, with this preutes, meekness, gentleness, we also want to consider putting attitude into action. So we begin with an attitude of mind, an attitude of mind, and then we want to translate that into action. And the action that we're considering is usually focused on how we treat other people. If you consider the fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about and looked at, they do tend to come back to that common denominator. How are you treating other people? Is this guiding your thoughts? Is this guiding your actions in how you treat other people? Pereutes, meekness, gentleness, is mental control. Mental control which regulates how we handle life's circumstances and the people that we encounter. The mindset of meekness, 
Remember, meekness is the attitude, it's the mindset. means that we are going to act in the way of gentleness. So this mindset of meekness means we're no longer focused on getting our own way. We are not focused on you know, satisfying our own desires. We're focused on a bigger and a better picture. So meekness is, in some ways, making, making sure that you have the big picture in mind and you respond accordingly. That bigger and better picture is, of course, God's way, God's plan of salvation, all the, you know, <laughs> the big stuff that hopefully we, 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 we fill in the blanks on this stuff as we go through the course of a year. This meekness, as I mentioned, then expresses itself in action, which is gentleness towards others. So we respond gently rather than harshly. We have a mild response rather than an extreme response. We have calmness rather than nervous, edgy anger. That's meekness in action. That's how you see it manifest in someone's life and in their attitude and their approach towards others. Preotes, this attitude of meekness, this action of gentleness, lets you more calmly deal with life's storms because you know that God is on his throne and you're not, <laughs> which is a big concept to wrap your mind around. God is on his throne and you're not. You understand that he has an order, um, a process, and a purpose for human life in this universe and you accept that. And of course there's more, more to it and we're going to dig in on that. And you accept that. Now let me ask you a question. Because I think there's a potential to take this in the wrong direction. Is preotes a form of apathy? Oh well, whatever happens, happens. Ah, there's no changing it. Oh well, I guess I just need to go with it. Well... I'm not going to get angry about that. I just, I don't want to care about it. That's one way of dealing with life storms that can make you appear calm. But that's not what preotes is. We are not looking to preotes as a numbing of our senses, a deadening of our emotions, as a way to, you know, heroically or tragically deal with life's storms? So the answer is no. No, that's, that's not. A form of apathy is not what we're looking at. And we will see that this preotes, meekness, gentleness, does not deaden our response to life's up and downs. It channels them and focuses them and points them towards good outcomes. As with all the other fruits of the Spirit that we've looked at, we want to understand them better by seeing them as attributes of our Father, our Creator. And this is true as well with meekness. God is gentle. God is gentle. Very gentle. Now, think about God's gentleness. If you understand God, take him at his word, who he is, you know, if, he's, if he is who he says he is, 
I do. I take, that as, I take him at his word. God is gentle not because he's weak. He doesn't react because he doesn't have the power. So it's not because God is weak, but it's because this gentleness is an expression of his respect for life. And God respects all life. And as a result, he is gentle. And he wants you to be gentle as well. He wants you to become more like him. Human beings can be truly awful. They can be horrible, hateful, angry, selfish. If God were not gentle, if God were harsh, we would have all been, you, me, we would have all been destroyed long ago. And God would be completely justified in doing so. If he were harsh, but he's not. He's gentle. Because our Father, Creator, is the author of life, not death. He has not created us for the purpose of destroying us or showing his wrath. He's the author of life, not death. And gentleness is part of the mindset of life. It reflects respect for life. Big picture thinking, which we talk about at other times, is that God plans to place all of you who are Christ's at the time of Christ's return in positions of authority. That's what stuff like kings, priests, judges means. It means positions of authority. That's what God has in mind, and that's what God is training people for. Now, <laughs> someone's not willing. <laughs> okay. So God plans to place you, who are Christ's at his return, in positions of authority. Kings, priests, judges. Now in God's way of thinking, you cannot be, or anyone who's in these, in these roles, cannot be focused on getting your own way. And this is where the meekness comes in. Getting your own way. No, you're going to have to think differently. You're going to have to work humbly and cooperatively with God and with others to achieve what I'm going to call life-affirming goals, good stuff, rather than whatever passion moves you at the moment. I think it's a horrible idea to, to, to conceive of a universe of very powerful spirit-born beings who are led by their passions rather than led by gentleness and meekness. So with all that power that God has in store and speaks about in his word for his people, with all that power, we have a need for a gentle spirit. Gentleness rather than harshness. So to that end, some of the other words that I put out there as feeding into the meaning of Preotes, submit. Submit yourself to the authority of Christ and the authority of the Father. And right now you're, you're in a 
position where you can cultivate a respect for authority today so that you have proper respect for whatever authority you will be given. That's one of the reasons why we need to respect authorities because you're going to get authority and you need to respect the authority that you're going to have and treat it properly and use it with respect for the people that you deal with. So today, our interaction, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, our interactions with authority, um, they're teaching us. They're teaching us lessons and such that we learn to respect authority and we will respect whatever authority we indeed are given. Exercising meekness and exercising gentleness towards those you will be responsible for. That's, that's part of the beautiful vision that God has and the beautiful future. Let's take a look at this fruit, preutes, meekness, gentleness, through its context and how it's used in a few key Bible scriptures. I've got four basic ones I want to look at. The first one is in Galatians 5. So turn there, if you would, and we'll read that together. Galatians 5. I think we've gone there uh, for each of these sermons on the fruits of the Spirit, because that's where our list is in verse 22. I'd like to read verse 26 through to the first verse of the sixth chapter. So starting in verse 26, it says to us, well actually verse 25 is good, let's throw that in there. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, sisters, if anyone is caught in any kind of transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness, preutes, meekness. And then there's a warning. Keep watching yourself lest you too become tempted. So this, you know, this listing that we have in Galatians 5, verse 22, of actions of the Spirit, well, it's, it's in a larger context. Let me back up. Let me explain the context just a little bit. If you go back to verse 14, <coughs> excuse me, verse 14, Paul is actually putting this out there to this group of people who are having some issues. Um, verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you not be consumed by one another. So the congregation there in Galatia, they needed a little bit of course correction. Paul was delivering it and focusing them on the fruits of the Spirit. Because I don't know exactly what was going on. Biting and devouring doesn't sound very good though. So Paul warns them. And he, he's warning them about using their newfound knowledge. If you read the book of Galatians, They've learned all this cool new stuff. And Paul warns them about using their newfound knowledge to bite and devour one another, to you know, kind of like attack one another, deal harshly with one another. And then he lists the fruits of the flesh, and he lists the fruits of the spirit, and then we picked it up in verse 26. And there we begin to learn something very important about 
about this preutes. Well, what do we learn? Well, it's, he starts off by talking about don't be conceited. Don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another. And these things are, are put out there as the opposite of gentleness, which he quickly follows up with. This is the opposite of gentleness, this focus on yourself, conceit, envy, provoking. So sometimes we understand something by looking at its opposites. Well, it's not that, okay? This is what he's doing. And then he goes on and he says that, you know, hey, if someone has a problem, work towards restoring this person in a spirit of meekness, gentleness, okay? So the goal there and the, the way it's coming out is the, the actions are restoring another person and maybe restoring them to a right relationship with God. It might be restoring them to a right relationship with yourself. It might be restoring them to a right relationship with the congregation. And then we, we, we do this in a spirit of gentleness. We don't want, God doesn't want us to go at each other, biting and devouring each other, saying, well, you need to straighten up and fly right. He wants us to go to people with a spirit of gentleness. Now, in all things, there's always a caveat, and there is a time for judgment, and there is a time for correction. But God wants us to be gentle and to approach one another and treat one another with meekness. And this is another example of, you know, what we look forward to in God's great kingdom. And when we're working here, restoring the other person, that shows us wanting and acting in a way that shows we want what God wants, because God wants people to be restored. He wants them to be reconciled. He wants them to make peace. And he wants us to want that. And he wants us to do that in a spirit of gentleness. But once again, we're submitting ourselves to God's desires and to what is in the best interest of that person within the context of God's purpose for life. You know, what's in the best interest of a person is not always what, what they say they want. You know, your four-year-old may want candy, but it's not the best thing for them. You get the idea. Think of this congregation. They got troubles. God's telling, or Paul, God is through Paul, telling them meekness. Deal with one another with this gentleness of spirit. Human nature is very different, isn't it? Human nature says, I believe, why don't we just kick them out? Let's just kick them out. Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if we just, you know, boot, they're gone. Alrighty then, that clears up all our problems. Um, we're better off without them, you know. This is, the, this is the way to go. Just kick them out. But let me put it to you this way. Okay, if that was God's way, and if God's purpose was to kick everybody out who has a problem, you'd all be gone. I'd be gone. This room would end up eventually empty. There'd be no church of God. There'd be no resurrection of the just. And there'd be no glorious future. That's not how God deals with people. And he doesn't want us to deal with people that way either. Again, there is a time for correction and judgment. But God wants our, he wants our default setting. Let's put it that way. He wants our default setting to be meekness, gentleness, and the other spirit, or fruits of the spirit that we've talked about before. Go to 1 Peter. 
This is another scripture we'll take a look at how the word is used and, and, and view it in its context. First Peter, and let's read a section here which uh, begins in verse 8, and we'll read verses 8 through 12 first to set the stage. Finally, all of you, so once again, addressing the church, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy. Hmm, sounds very emotional, doesn't it? Love, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, God's word is asking us to do some emotional stuff here. Uh, show compassion, brotherly love, in Philadelphia love, to have a tender heart, etc. To let down our emotional walls, I think is what it's driving at here. Uh, let down our emotional walls and treat each other with friendliness and courtesy. You'll actually see that translated courtesy in some translations. So we're presented with multiple positive emotional approaches and we're presented with multiple positive action components. You know, watch your words. Watch what you say to one another. Um, seek peace with others. Pray. Do good. We can better channel our emotions to these positive emotions when we are not obsessed with ourselves, when we're not just, you know, wow, thinking about ourselves. How is this going to affect me? Ah, well, how are, others, how are other people going to see me if I do this? Let's not have those be our guiding lights, but rather, okay, what, is, what does God want? What does God want in this situation, and how can I best reflect his desires and his will and his way? Drop down to verse 13 through 15. It goes on here and says, okay, now, who is there to harm you? Who's there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet... Do it with gentleness, meekness, and respect. So, don't worry. Don't worry. Have confidence in God. And don't let wicked people scare you with threats, with negativity, with insults, but be filled with quiet confidence. Again, this, this meekness that I used in the introduction is confidence and a calmness in knowing that God is in charge God has a plan, I'm part of it. And that gives you confidence and a quietness. Know that no trial comes upon you without his knowledge. His okay, if you will. And if you're suffering, things aren't going well, he knows. And if he does not rescue you from your trial, there is a purpose. And so you can face life's storms and life's trials with this mental attitude, which is meekness 
Not weakness, it's actually a great deal of emotional control and emotional strength. Now Satan's out there and he's going to ask you some very good questions. How can you believe in a God who lets you suffer? You are such a sucker. How can you trust in a God who won't say yes to your requests? Ever been asked those questions? You know, whether it's someone you meet or it's just what's going on in your head. Well, verse 17, one more. We haven't read this. It says, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. This meekness, this preutes, I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to suffer for what's right. Because God's purpose, God's plan, what God has in store is bigger and more important than my personal needs. I know what he's doing in my life and I know why and I am willing to humbly submit myself to his will because I know where we're headed. Now to get this peace of mind, to get this peace of mind, you must submit yourself to God's word. You have to submit yourself to God in oh so many ways. Let's talk about submitting yourself to God's word. Now, if you're going to submit to God's word, that means you've got to know it. Right? We, we touch on this during the course of the year. To know God's word, well, you've got to start somewhere. If you're going to submit yourself to God, you have to know his word. Go to James verse, chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Wow. Well, what we learned there in that little verse, focus your mind on cleaning up your own life. Okay, right? Put away all this stuff. Focus your mind on cleaning up your own life and receive his instruction for your life with meekness. And that's where, remember the Venn diagram I was trying to describe? And one of the words there was submit. Submit to God's word. Receive it. Let it in. Let it change you. Let it give you that calmness of mind that we talked about at the beginning. Let it fill you with the answers to the big questions. What am I? Why am I alive? Who is God? And what is he up to? Knowing the answers to those questions gives you calmness of spirit, calmness of mind. You get that through his word. Also through his church, but that, we've touched on that already mostly in the sense that the church teaches and preaches the word. (laughs) Again, the warning though, if you're not in God's word, how are you going to receive it? So you get all this good stuff by getting into God's word. Let it change you. Receive it. We're in James. Now let's, let's just read the context of that verse. Back up to verse 19. It says this, Know this, my beloved brethren, 
Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To provide people with an answer means you have to listen to the question. Right? You have to have an approach to people. And this gets back to the meekness. To answer their question, you really have to listen to the question with meekness and gentleness and use that to guide your response. Um, now, when you put this into practice, it's very easy, I think, for this type of gentleness to be viewed as a form of weakness, okay? Oh, yeah, well, you just don't want to you don't want to argue your point because you don't have confidence that you really know what you think. And you can be egged on to things and someone might think, oh, well, you're just, you're afraid of confrontation. But this gentleness is, is a form of mental control. And it's a form of strength. Now, human nature and you see this writ large online, you know, human nature wants to lash out at other people who disagree with you. So if you see someone come at you and they've got some wackadoodle idea about scripture and you know it's wrong, a lot of times your knee-jerk reaction is to say, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. But you, you can't do that. God doesn't want you to do that. Now hopefully you, you, you know this and I'm not giving you, you know, anything new. But you have to listen to what the person says, okay? And you have to fight that human nature that wants to lash out and argue and insult and demean others in the name of truth. <laughs> when you really step back and you think about that, it's ridiculous. You know, arguing Bible. Ah, oh yeah? Well here, dueling scriptures, you know. And the attitude and the spirit is not gentle and meek. Um, and again, the focus on the self comes in when you, when, when you think about it. Well, because I want to be seen as right. I want people to know that I'm right. Instead, we, we, we need to focus on fulfilling God's purpose, which is imparting truth. Now, Christ described himself as meek. I don't know if you've ever focused on that or thought about that, but he says, I'm meek and gentle and lowly of heart. Not because he was weak. He had all the authority to rain down thunderbolts on people if he felt like it. But he didn't. And as he said of himself, okay, I didn't come to judge and condemn people. All right? I came to rescue them. I came to rescue them from a way of life that leads to death. That has no future. That's my purpose. Now we know, we know from prophecy that there's more to Christ and that he will return and there is a time for judgment. But he said of himself, I didn't come to judge and condemn people. He didn't come to bash people. He came to help them. In the same manner, a godly person, a person who's showing the fruits of the Spirit, is not harsh with other people. Rather, they see that person as valuable, which is how God sees them. Some people make it really hard 
<laughs> I know. But a godly person sees the other as valuable and has respect for them because God has respect for them too. James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. Wow. Well, now we've got meekness. See, it, it, it kind of reaches out and touches all kinds of different concepts here. The meekness of wisdom. Well, let's consider it this way. Submit yourself to wisdom. Calm your soul with godly wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, wisdom is, wisdom is different from knowledge. And we have some of the answer right there in the verses that we read. Wisdom is different from knowledge or information. You might have the right information but have no wisdom. You might have all the right information about life after death or the proper sequence of the resurrections or knowledge of the commandments or the holy days or the plan of God. And this knowledge can lead to wisdom and, and, and should lead to wisdom, but they're not the same things. Wisdom is allowing that knowledge to change the way you live. That's the difference between the two. So the meekness of wisdom, submitting yourself to wisdom. Now if we read on, where were we? What did we read? Uh, we read verse 13. Let's read verses 14 through 18. Let's talk about wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, oh, again, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What we are told here is that there, there are two kinds of wisdom. There are two contenders for wisdom. There's the wisdom from above, and there's the wisdom that is earthly or physical. The wisdom above has some great qualities. It's pure, it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, willing to learn, full of mercy. Wisdom that's from the physical. Wow. Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, overriding the truth is false to the truth. And the results of the wisdom from above, righteousness and peace, and the results of Wisdom from the earthly or disorder, confusion, and all sorts of vile practices. Okay. A life spent seeking fulfillment of your heart's desires has a semblance of wisdom, doesn't it? Go for it. Follow your heart. Has anyone ever heard or been told to follow your heart? To find happiness? Follow your heart. 
And there's a semblance of wisdom to that. You know, what better way to be happy than to follow my heart, to seek the fulfillment of my heart's desires. And it appears practical to the human nature. Achieving personal satisfaction and happiness through the fulfillment of desires seems like the logical answer to the question, how should I live my life? And for many, the answer to that question is, well, to please myself. I mean, what does follow my heart mean? It means to please myself. Should I not? Earthly wisdom, this is a form of earthly wisdom, and it's inferior. It's an inferior form of wisdom. Because, for a number of reasons, one is it's short-term thinking. Short-term thinking. Physical life, this life that you have, I have right now, is short. The older you get, the shorter it seems. You realize how short it is. It's about 75 years for the average person. And beyond that, uh, nothing. You have no life beyond that. There's a good place where knowledge, godly knowledge, that you, you don't possess an immortal soul, that you rely on the resurrection, it can help you to act more wisely in this life. That's a way you can submit to knowledge or wisdom because of knowledge. Now, I said earthly wisdom is inferior. Wisdom from above is superior. Why? Well, it focuses on long-term long-term goals, lasting goals, eternal life, seeking the mind of God, thinking of what is good for the other person. Now we also read there that the earthly wisdom is characterized as demonic. I don't want to go into that at length, but it's a way of thinking that is actively promoted by your adversary, the one who hates you and does not want to see you succeed, wants you to follow every dead-end path you can be led down to, to divert you from the power of everlasting life. The future of God, we read about that, the wisdom of God. The future of God is filled with righteousness and peace, whereas earthly wisdom produces discord and strife. Okay. If I live to satisfy my desires and you live to satisfy your desires, what happens when me getting what I desire interferes with you getting what you desire? Then what happens? Strife, conflict, discord. And that is why the earthly wisdom does not work and cannot be applied to eternity and cannot be applied to an eternity of righteousness and peace. And that's why we can't go after our own heart because you know, you know as well as I do that at some point your heart is going to differ from what her heart wants. And who's going to decide who gets the desire of their heart? It's just not a system that works can't work, it won't work, and God wants us, wants you and me to learn that now so we can lead the charge in the future. And meekness is part of it. Gentleness is part of it. And that's why earthly wisdom is a failure. And if it was projected into the future, it would be a failure waiting to happen. Submit yourself then to the meekness of wisdom. 
and the wisdom of humility. There's a section you might want to read in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 29, where Paul talks about the foolishness of God. And he says, you know, the wisdom of this world is foolish. And he says, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. He's talking about these two systems. And the wisdom of God, well, people, people who are looking at the wisdom from the physical, they look at people like you or me, and they say, they see meekness manifest, and they think, you are such a, you're so dumb. You know that if you want something in this life, you've got to go out and get it. You're just weak. You're a loser. Again, that kind of circles back to why meekness is not always the most helpful word. But there's these two kinds of wisdom. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to that, this world. And vice versa. Go to Matthew 11. This will be our final scripture. Verse 25 through 30. Jesus' words. At that time... Oh, I still hear some paper flipping. All right. Give you a moment. All right, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. So he's praying here. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. People who are willing to listen, to submit. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am preutes and lowly in heart. I am meek and gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, submit yourself. Submit yourself to God's burden. Get into his work for transforming your mind. And the task is light in comparison to the burden of futility. So do you want calmness? Do you want rest? Do you want peace of mind? Well, Jesus Christ says, I can give it to you. You don't have to do it all yourself. I'm strong. And I can help. Accept me with meekness, humility, calmness, and confidence.